podcast with two guys in their 20s giving their respect on the games that we love, headlines of pop culture, and the meaning behind it all. I'm your host, Wendell Burns, and my counterpart, Savon Morris. How's it going, man? I hope it's going good, man. I hope. <laughs> I, I, I missed you last week. Man, all good, man. I had to hold it down. I had to hold it down because I, I had, like, the most valuable player wasn't here. The most valuable player wasn't, <laughs> no. he wasn't here, so he it was the like... most valuable player. <laughs> You know, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a good center. You know, if we play a basketball, center. you know, I'm a rebound. Talking about basketball analogies. This shit, yeah, I'm that. You're the point guard, man. Point guard is necessary. Still dating. <laughs> well, we have a lot of topics to get into for this episode. Some NFL ones, um, obviously college football, um, NBA. We're gonna do some album reviews in the second half. We're gonna do a review of There Will Be Blood. But to start off with just yeah. the thoughts on on the Chargers' home win versus the Dolphins this past uh, Sunday night. Um, LA won 23 to 17, and Justin Herbert threw for 367 yards and a touchdown. Um, the Chargers moving into position for the final AFC playoff berth ahead of the Jets. Um, Herbert also completed a career high um, 39 passes on 51 attempts for his uh, 21st 300 yard game. Yeah. But uh, what were your thoughts on this Chargers win? And you know, this was a necessary one for them for them to have it as they're still fighting for a playoff spot. Yeah, man. You know, first of all, hats off to the Chargers winning a you know, winning a game where they're short, you know, shorthanded on defense, missing a couple of key players. But yeah. man, I'm I'm continuing to grow a fan, a inner fan base for Justin Herbert. The guy yes. is just a phenomenal quarterback, and he's doing it at this early stage of his career to be able to find success with this offense. It's it's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, at certain points, the running game is not working. Uh, they still have, I think, have a tough wide receiver core. It's just certain things they're missing to be that top contender football team. I think they're missing a couple key players on both sides of the ball. Maybe it's a left tackle. Maybe it's a right guard. Maybe it's uh, another big-time tight end, a wide receiver. Or maybe it's another Darren James. They need another Darren James on the uh, on the defensive side. But they're missing something. But they figure out a way to win. Dolphins are hot right now. Tua yeah. is playing lights out. He's playing like he wants to prove everybody wrong. And just the, the season he's had being knocked out of games, uh, being failed by the NFL PA in the NFL. So this game, I think, meant a lot to both organizations. But Justin Herbert looked good, 367 yards. The yeah. guy looked poised, looked like he's been in the league 10 years already. They look like a well-seasoned yeah. veteran. <laughs> no, for sure, man. And they're 7-6, and six, which is crazy. It's just they're yeah. missing those little bit, the, those those extra uh, players that to take them over. I think this year going into maybe they need a couple veteran guys or go in the draft to get some of these young wide receivers. There's there are a ton of wide receivers they can go get. They have a couple picks in uh, the second round, and I think they have two in the fourth round. So I think there's opportunities for them to grow. I think they're heading in the right direction. But this game show continues to show Justin Herbert finds a way to win. I mean, it was in in hindsight, it was a defensive defensive game, but to right. them to be able to pull it off with their short hand on the defensive side is it's just no small feat, man. Justin Herbert is is killing it, but it's not translating to wins and losses just yet. Seven to six. Yeah, and, and there has been conversation about like looking at back at that twenty twenty draft class with you know um, Burrow, Herbert, um, yeah, to, to uh, even Jalen Hurts. Like, how do you look back at that class now in terms of just like the the, the the top guy, like, would you still say like Joe Burrow out of that class is, is still like the, the the top of that uh, of that list, and the one who kind of to me kind of seems like the one who's always ready for the postseason, always ready for the big moments, and still kind of to me, I, I would probably put him at, at that that top list of the ones that like when you kind of really need a game in the postseason, even as he showed us against Kansas City last year, he's able to, to kind of step up to that moment. Who Joe? Yeah, 
You know, I, I still like Joe, but I don't... <laughs> I, I think I think I like Justin over Joe. I think Joe is in a better uh team situation than Justin Herbert. I think if you put Justin Herbert with uh the Bengals last year in Cincinnati, I think he'll flourish even more than uh Joe Burrow did. I mean, they had to pick it up though. They you know, they didn't start off hot last year, then they, you know, went on a run with Jamar Chase kind of figuring out defense and and creating mismatches. And the running game was it was working. But I think if Justin Herbert was in that office, I think he flourishes even more. I think it's their the their offensive scheme. Well, in hindsight, when they played the Rams last year, the offensive line looked terrible. Yeah. But I think <laughs> he has more weapons than Justin Herbert. That is disposable. You know, he have yeah, Keenan Allen, Williams is Mike Williams is it's in and out with injuries. They don't have a big tight end to go through. And their running game with Eckler is is kind of uh fading off a little bit in my eyes. But I think right now I still like Justin Herbert. Joe Burrow hasn't shown me enough this year to say, hey, he's still one of the top guys out of that draft, quarterback-wise. I think Justin Herbert is is going to be legit. Well, he's already legit, but I think eventually he'll start gaining pieces around him to make that team legit, make them a contender. But I, I like Justin Herbert over Joe Burrow. And, and hopefully we can see them in the postseason this year and finally get that because because like we haven't seen Justin Herbert yet in that stage, but it it'll I think this this will de- this this will definitely be the year where we can kind of see like okay like what is he what is he ready for what is he built for because like like you said like we've we've talked about it all summer as well Justin Herbert is the guy that we think can have yeah. can possibly be be next up to to, to really uh ascend into an elite class um and, and now getting to San Francisco's dominant win versus Tampa Bay and, and also like Brock Purdy's. <laughs> Continue develop. I mean, I don't even know if it's. I wouldn't say dot like a decimation. It wasn't even like it was, it was just like they no, completely just was, wiped. It. <laughs> they completely just wiped them out. <laughs> and, they needed and, three wishes for sure. Yeah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> they needed a, a miracle. <laughs> um, but, but but with this win for San Francisco, that they were able to win thirty five to seven. Purdy threw two touchdown passes and ran for another score. Christian McCaffrey ran for uh, ran for one hundred nineteen yards and added a touchdown on the ground with a 38-yard run after Brady was intercepted by uh, Deshaun Gibson on the first drive of the third quarter. Um, but looking at the San Francisco team, obviously, like, the Debo Samuel um, yeah. injury was something something that's obviously concerning because he's such a, a huge, vital part to that offense. But what are your thoughts on the San Francisco team still finding ways to win? Um, obviously, like, this isn't the same type of Tampa Bay team we're accustomed to seeing, but they still had to take care of a team that, that was not at their best and just dominated in every facet. You know what, man? I love the way this organization is let, you know, and their general manager, John Lynch finds ways to get players into that organization. Rams do it too. It's yeah. something about the West coast that they have enough money to get people, <laughs> get players in there. But I love the Christian McCaffrey pickup was one of the best things they did in the past three years. It's, it's bigger than when they got Trey Lance, bigger than when they went to the Super Bowl. Christian McCaffrey adds a different element. So you don't have to, you know, use Debo Samuel as much as they, as it was, and now he's injured. I mean, that play alone could have been avoided, I I think. But it's just it's it's football. You, you know, you're gonna get hurt. He's probably did that play multiple times, uh, no, several thousand times, um, in his oh, career yeah. with uh, yeah, with with the 49ers. But I think adding Chris, if he comes back, I know is is a knee injury. Is he if he's able to come back? I know Christian McCaffrey can take that load off and he's so vital in the pass and running game. And that, I think that's the difference, especially that touchdown. He stepped on like two defenders and outran everybody. 
So he, he had a receiving touchdown. He had a running touchdown. He's he's a good blocker. Like he checks boxes. I think he, he his tank ran out <laughs> with the Panthers. Now he has a rejuvenation with the 49ers. And I think that's the difference on the offense. And, and then you had Debo, you have other, these other guys, and then you put this Purdy guy that they got from God knows where to come in. He hasn't had to do much, but you know, when you have weapons, all you need is a game manager. And I think that's what Purdy did. He, it's he, a quarterback-friendly system. Yeah. So like Kyle Shanahan, he runs the perfect quarterback-friendly system yeah, that any quarterback can, can, can do well in. Yeah, for sure. And all you have to do is game manage and not make mistakes. And Purdy did not make mistakes in this game. I mean, you know, two touchdowns, 185 yards, 16 from 21, I think is a good, a good solid showing from a backup, backup quarterback, right? Yeah, so we've back seen back. backup, backup quarterbacks <laughs> uh, this season in a while. You got the Washington Commanders got their backup, backup quarterback in. There's, you know, several other teams that have backup, backup quarterbacks in. That's weird to say a couple times, man. But no, 49ers, man, they know trademark how to get players in there. of the day, trademark phrase of the day, backup, 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 backup. backup. <laughs> But no, man, 49. And then you look at the Buccaneers, the, the strongest thing they had as a, as a unit was their defense. Their defense looked sloppy. Le, 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 Levante David is not as poised as he did. Devin White has kind of, you know, declined a little bit this year. They don't have the big the big guys up front. Adama Kasu was with the, 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 the Eagles, the, the, the team that they had when they won the Super Bowl. They had tried to get everybody back. Mike Evans is him and Tom Brady's not on the same page. There's a lot of turmoil in this organization, but I think their defense is the biggest part. If their defense was still stout, I think the, the woes on offense wouldn't be as uh, pungent as it is right now. But man, that defense doesn't look like the defense from two years ago. It doesn't. It not. really doesn't. Even mm -hmm. like in the first half of the season, I mean, like in the first couple of weeks of the season, they, their defense will keep them in games. Now mm -hmm. that's even something that's, really not not looking like um the, the 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 same degree that we're used to like when you look at at also the week the game they had before against the saints you know brady leads them on a comeback it almost felt like one of those games where like they're not it showed a glimpse of you know why brady's the greatest but it really yeah. wasn't a true sign of who this team is because that team is not the comeback team this that's no the game against san francisco was more of a realistic picture to me of what this team actually is this year yeah and you look at the decline in numbers, man. Also, like, you know, two years ago, they were top 10 in, in running. They were top 10 in passing. We're yeah. still number five in passing. They're 32nd in rushing, averaging 72 yards a game. And then their defense was top 10, top seven in every category. And they're 20 in, in, in rushing. They're allowed 130 yards. Two years ago, that didn't happen. That did not happen. So they're not the same defense as they were two years ago. And it's showing consistently. And when you have so many off-field off problems and the, they break up defenses, the front seven was the, the powerhouse, you know? Yeah. So, man, they have a lot of missing holes, a lot of players that has not played to the capability of when they won the Super Bowl. And they're not going to turn around this year. They have, to look up, they have to look themselves in the mirror and say, okay, as an organization, what do we need? Do we need to go away from Tom Brady? What do we need to do a running game? Do we need to draft another running back? Leonard Fournette is declining 72 yards a game. What, what about our wide receivers? They have to look at their organization and look at the pieces yeah. they have. What do they need to do? Trade deadline is way, way over. 
offseason is your only chance. The draft is your only chance. They they have to make some tough decisions this offseason. Yeah, they really are. Um, and, and now getting into Philly's uh, a road win versus the Giants and them clinching their playoff berth. Um, the Eagles won 48-22 to when Jalen Hurts threw two touchdowns and ran for another. <clears throat> this is Philly's um, second straight playoff berth in fifth and six years. Um, yeah. Hurts also threw for, for 217 yards and scored on their first three possessions. Um, looking at this Philly team, because, I mean, they are just clicking on all cylinders. They look like they can win any type of game. Um, yeah. And Jalen Hurts just looks comfortable, like, week after week. Um, what are your thoughts on, on this win against a Giants team, like we said, that has impressed us um, for, for a mm-hmm. good, good bit of the season, but now they're kind of been on, on a bit of a slide currently? You know what, man? They messed up and let Jalen Hurts get comfortable. Yeah. With the system, with the NFC South, with the NFC, period. That guy looks like he's hungry. And, man, it's a testament to just his humility and his ability to yearn to be great, a great quarterback. Not just to be a great black quarterback, to be a great quarterback, just period. And he's everything is slowing down now. Last year, you can tell that they had, yeah, things wasn't working. The chemistry wasn't fully there. Now he has the good chemistry with Devontae Smith, the Running game is working with Sanders. The offensive line looks good. He has time. It's a difference when a quarterback can go through his progression. But if he can't go through two progressions and when you have like three or four as a quarterback, it's a problem. Then he has to run and he's fatigued. It's a lot of things that go into being a quarterback. But now he has time. They they go out and get some great guys on the offensive line. And then the defensive side looks so good. Adding a Dominican Sue was one of the best things they could have done. Now that's just the added beef up front with, you know, Fletcher Cox, who's been consistent since he's been in the league. There's videos of him and the Dominican Sue on the sideline talking about who's the, uh, who's defensive line you or whatever, Nebraska. And I forgot what team the uh, college Fletcher Cox came from, but they're having fun is what I'm getting yeah. at. They're having fun. Football is fun. There's, things are slowing down and he's not making mistakes. That's the biggest thing, Jalen Hurts. He doesn't. He didn't make big mistakes at Alabama or at Oklahoma in my in my eyes. He's never he's a really game, beat himself. Yeah, yeah never, no. never got in his own way. He's a game manager and he's a guy who can extend plays. He had two touchdowns in the air and one touchdown on the ground. He's going to give you a dual threat and he's not going to make crazy uh, mistakes. That's beautiful right. as a quarterback. But yeah, man, he, they mm, they let Jalen Hurts get comfortable and let the game slow down. It's going to be hard to beat them. Gonna be now hard. they got Dallas. Now they got Dallas Christmas Eve. A, a I huge, love it. Huge game. And you know what? Dallas is not going to win. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> Just they're letting not you guys know. <laughs> I, I mean, like, and, and that, and that's, and that's honestly the thing because I think, I mean, it's gonna. They already have the look. Like you can tell in, in in certain parts of the year when when a team is just coming into form and they look like the team that's gonna be like the clear cut, uh, top team to get to the Super Bowl. Like yeah. in the NFC, like how do you, like like outside of them, is there one other team that you think okay they could possibly put up a fight against Philly, um, if, if things you know work out for them in in an ideal scenario? I think 49ers. I think 49ers can out call them. Yeah, because even with Jalen Hurts playing great football, it's they're limited to what play calling they do with Jalen. I think even with with the backup backup quarterback. I think they have enough weapons to. I think Debo Samuels will come back. I don't think it was an ACL tear, if I'm not mistaken. I don't MCL. think it was MCL. So he probably six. Ooh. 
Ooh, he might be back divisional if they make it to divisional round. I think he'd be back. Will he be fully healthy? But I think they could utilize him. But even without Demo Debo, I think they they their play calling with Kyle Shanahan is so top three in the NFL that I think they'll outcall the Eagles. Because again, I think Jalen Hurts is limited in what they call with him to try to slow the game down. I don't think his playbook is is extensive at all. But I think the yeah the 49ers, it will be good uh, a good one to uh to be able to go toe to toe, and then hmm that's tough because the Eagles look really good. That's the only team I know because they got Chris McCaffrey. That man has he just it hit the ground running. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's I don't yeah, yeah I don't think team, anybody else. Yeah, 49ers. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Say, can't uh, say Green Bay. Can't say Buccaneers. The teams you're used to saying you can't say this year. <laughs> you can't. It's so weird. That's it's so, so weird. yeah. It's, it's so weird. Um and, and now getting into college football with thoughts on Caleb Williams uh winning the Heisman. Williams won against George's uh, Stetson Bennett, TCU's Max <clears> in Ohio State's uh, CJ Stroud. He received 544 first place votes in, in over 13 games. He threw for 4,075 yards and 37 touchdowns with only four interceptions. Um, but what were your thoughts on, on Caleb Williams winning? And, and, you know, obviously, like, th- there was a conversation of him, like, not having a good conference championship. And sometimes people think, okay, would that affect the vote? But but yeah, in terms of the overall season that he had, even though he didn't finish it out strong, um, what did you think about his his victory um, in, in winning the Heisman this year? I didn't like it. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like Caleb Williams being... It was kind of weird. Being- yeah, it it was definitely weird. I thought Stetson could have should have won it, and I mean, I, that's who I thought should have won it. I mean, he had thirty four hundred yards, twenty touchdowns. Yeah, he had six interceptions. Caleb Williams had four interceptions, and he's undefeated. And his team is gonna go to the national championship and win it. Yeah, if we're, I know this is an individual accolades, but if I'm a voter, I'm looking at how he leads his team. They're eleven and two. They lost in their conference championship. They had an opportunity to be in the playoffs and they missed it. It's kind of weird when you give it to the one guy out of that whole list who's not going to the playoffs. <laughs> the other three right. guys are. Because <laughs> what you had, uh, Max Dungy could have been yeah, a better CCU. choice. Yeah, that's another one. Yeah, CJ Stroud is another one. Yeah. Um, I think had a, a, a semi better season than Kayla Williams. I, I just don't, I just didn't see it. And he wasn't, I guess, he wasn't a flashy guy this year with USC. And I'm looking at Strifter's schedule, too. If I'm looking at Strifter's schedule and Stetson is still having this superb team where he don't play half of, a, of, of certain quarters and their running game is really good, USC's right. running game is not good. He's going to, he throws 75% of the time with USC. Stetson does not. And he's not far off in passing yards. But he has more touch. Like, I just didn't. Yeah, I just didn't understand. I thought, you know, I thought Stetson should have, should have definitely Stetson Bennett should have definitely won the Heisman. Just looking at his back to back seasons, and now he has a chance That's to repeat. Has to be rewarded in some way. They beat every SEC team this year. Like, come on, bro! And all the SEC teams were ranked, bro. Come on! Like, I know schedule. that Georgia defense is incredible, but don't sleep on Stetson Bennett. You cannot no. sleep on him. The same thing that the people did in the national championship, and and he shocked the world. Shock the world. It ain't going to be a shock this year. They're going to win nah, it. If they don't win it, I'm like... Yeah, I would I'm yeah, shocked if they is, don't win it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I thought and, Bennett should have won. Yeah. Yeah, and, that, and that's another thing. Obviously, we're going to analyze this more in, in the next episode, but but what were your thoughts on on the top four that were that were picked? Obviously, like we expected Georgia, Michigan, 
Um, but what did you kind of think about TCU and Ohio State also getting in those last two spots? We're going to see, man. I mean, like TCU, they only lost one game. They also had a tail end in a conference. But, I mean, they played a solid season throughout. And we, we talked about them not being good since LaDamian Tomlinson. Yeah. Uh, and my, well, they, uh, I forgot the quarterback name that run. was. Andy Dalton? Fit. Yeah, Andy, they had yeah. To, yeah, Andy. But Andy uh, got to that, like, that To that run. national championship yeah, that national deep run. Yeah. It was like, good seasons, but not elite. But I understand why they, you know, squeaked in, squeaked you in, know. Yeah. So I know I like, we'll see. We'll, I, I kind of, I, I like it. I, I like this playoffs. But, it, but no one is strong enough to go toe-to-toe with Georgia. They're, they're, too, they're too tough on both sides of the ball. Like TCU is good on offense, but the defense is terrible. Ohio State is a decent on offense, but they defense is terrible michigan has a cra- a crazy double double header running game yeah especially that running game but i don't think they're gonna do much with that georgia defense and then offense they have oh my, the tight ends not don't even talk about the wide receivers don't talk about the <laughs> yeah, running game get, like <laughs> five five star tight ends that could start anywhere and they're at georgia so Man, yeah, I, I I like that. I understand why they were they're in the playoffs for sure, but this is no competition. No, no it's competition. Really it's back to back. Yeah, but it will back be funny. Back to back, I'm Jordan ninety six ninety seven. That would be interesting <laughs> if we got a Michigan Ohio State rematch. That's what I was. That honest. That's the wrinkle in there because. If you really think about it, that would be in a, a really interesting national championship. And because be we we we've gotten that before with Alabama That's like and getting LSU. A Florida, Florida State national championship. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be sure. mayhem. That would be mayhem. <laughs> no, that would be crazy if that did happen. If some way that happened, yeah. Michigan, Ohio oh, State. I I gotta take I ooh, I have to take Michigan again. Me too. Yeah. I would I'm gonna take Michigan. Michigan. That the running game, yeah, they're the better team, and the running game is crazy. But yeah, yeah. But we're not gonna see that. We're not gonna see that. <laughs> Georgia. <laughs> <We're not> gonna... <laughs> Georgia championships again. Champions again. Um, and, and now getting into obviously this was breaking news uh, last week with with Brittany Griner's release from Russia and just kind of thoughts on the voice of, of pro athletes. Um, she returned to the U.S. early Friday after being freed in a high profile prisoner exchange following nearly ten months in de- in detention in, in Russia, but. What were your thoughts on, on how long this process and situation was for Griner and, and the news of her kind of, you know, finally being back in the U.S.? You know what, bro? I'm going to be controversial here. I think that was a dumb trade. I think it was a dumb swap. To be completely honest with you, Willington, <sighs> she's going to have to run for president. She's going to have to do something in the community. Yeah, bro, you have to do something. Work. America traded. I think this was Russia playing all along. Like, I, I kind of feel that way, too. I kind of feel Bro. that way, too. Because <laughs> normally, even like even Amsterdam, Paris, all these other countries, they'll hold you and they'll let you go. They they probably did their research. Russia yeah. is smart. They probably they did smart. their research like, okay, one, she's black. Two, she's, you know. And then three, she's in a sport. So she's already in the public eye. 
and then at how media is uh, persuasive these days, they use it as their benefit. And they held yeah. her, and they gave her this ridiculous amount of time, right? And then obviously America's be like, hey, we should go get her. Hey, go get her. Hey, come on. We got ASAP Rocky. We got uh the swimmer, Ryan Locke, when he did his yeah, crazy did. thing. So let's let's go get her. But I think this was the dumbest trade ever. Ever. Whoever yeah. 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 I don't so like much it, about bro. it just didn't seem it didn't sit didn't right with authentic. me. Yeah. Russia definitely won this one. Yeah. She's gonna have to she'll have to be a straight and narrow from now on. She how, she how shrewd even... how shrewd and and just kind of like strategic Russia is, you can kind of tell when things just are, are kind of really off. They probably cele- had a party. Oh yeah. Had they, a cello. It went off. I just saw this and then the in, the interview that I forgot her name, which they were talking about, I'm like. This don't make no sense. Obviously, you don't want... The, she broke the rule. She broke the law. The law... This, I mean, obviously, the years were, okay, come on, Russia. We know you did this for a reason. But to trade her for this guy who we've had for a long time, who's, like, up in Russia, for a basketball player, does not make sense to me. But welcome home, Brittany. Welcome home. I hope you are straight and arrow, and you yeah, go you, get you your medical be. marijuana card. You gotta be after, after that, because that's a trade you're never gonna see again. I mean, you're, you're, you're gonna see something like that ever. Like that is that is a, a very a very distinct situation. Yeah, I don't think Barack would have did it. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> would Trump would have definitely would've. did it. <laughs> Trump would have like. You know what? We're gonna leave her there. She's safe. She's a like, bro. I wanted to like, I wouldn't agree. Leave her there. Yeah. We cannot trade somebody like that for a basketball player. Can't, yeah. man. Yeah, but I just don't. Yeah, yeah. I know I'm being controversial, but I just, I just don't understand it. Yeah. 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 I, I, there you go. Thank you're, you, Wellington. Honest you're thing. fully, you're fully being honest and just not gonna go with with the, everything everybody is saying. You that you got to be. You have to be fully transparent about something like that. The math wasn't mathing. The math was not mathing. <laughs> <laughs> the math wasn't mathing. The math wasn't mathing. She the backup, backup quarterback. She the backup, backup. backup. <laughs> this was a Brock Purdy. <laughs> they should have asked for a recipe. I would have gave him a recipe uh, instead of her. You know what I mean? Like, why are we yeah. giving her, give, training this person for Brittany Griner? Come on, man. <laughs> Um, and, and now starting off with, with, our, with our first NBA topic, with kind of thoughts on the Pelicans being number one in the West and their impressive, you know, back-to-back wins against the Suns. Um, New, Ar- New Orleans won their last game against Phoenix, 129-124 at OT. Zion scored 35 for his second se- second straight game, and CJ McCollum added 29. Um, but when it comes to how the Pelicans are off to a scintillating start, they had success against Phoenix um, mm-hmm. in, in last year's postseason. Obviously, this year with Zion back healthy, like he, he looks to be in just complete, rare form. What are your thoughts on, on this team being number one in the West and just also with like where they kind of rank in the hierarchy of, of like legitimate contenders in the Western Conference? That's the, that's the key. Zion has to be 100%. He has to be light. And I know they were going to compare him to Charles Barkley, which I think it was a perfect, a perfect uh, yeah, comparison. Perfect. Man, just, but Zion is, he has it in his eye. 
Like he hears what people have been saying the last couple of years. He knows the hype he had when he came in. So now he's trying to live up to it. And I think he can, God forbid he gets injured. I hope he doesn't get injured. I hope nothing. I hope he has the not perfect gonna, not gonna season. Let's go predicts he will not. Right, no. <laughs> They're going to the playoffs. If he keeps yeah. playing like this, Brandon Ingram is going to come back. His skill kind of banged up. But CJ McCollum, uh, 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 Brandon Ingram, and Zion playing, and their bench is coming off and, and playing Jose Al- Alvarado, I think it's Al- Alvarado, whatever. Alvarado. Alvarado. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Alvarado. Uh, <laughs> but no, man. Yeah, but they're playing great basketball, and I think it's, it, it's because of all of it. But I think Zion is the difference maker. He's bringing yeah. that energy back to the basketball you can team. Tell it. Yeah, yeah man. He's hungry. And I knew he wasn't going to be a bust. He just needed that time to mentally be there. He needed that and then time also off. get his body. Yeah, get his body he right, man. Yeah. Because he he it takes a lot of energy to be him and how he plays. So now he's he's sat, he's he's mentally prepared, he prepared his body, and then now he's showing everybody why I was one of the top guys coming out of Duke. Let's go. We all and, we all knew he had it. We all knew he yeah. had it. Will they, together. will they stay number one? I think so. I think they're staying number one for another uh for another month. I believe they have the momentum going in. They can, and they then, can do it for another. Yeah, and then in the West, we still say Denver. I still think Denver can be number one and be, but they just come on. They're always injured. They don't come on. I it's like the injury prone team because I like honestly I like Denver the most in the West. Um, yes, that's, that's 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 the team I want to have full full confidence in and getting to the finals. But when your injury, when the injury bug is around, it's hard to like fully invest in a team like that. I think that that's the that's really the one thing that that's holding them back. Because outside of that, we've seen Jamal Murray do what he does. He's yep. he's a phenomenal playoff performer. But now it's just yep. about like can this team stay fully healthy? And the answer right now is no. Memphis no. is still looking <laughs> good. I think they're conforming, but they're still a young team. And they're, they're, I think they're missing another guy, too. Does it concern you how, because obviously Phoenix ha, has had back-to-back losses against this Pelicans team. They lost in a blowout against Boston yeah. last Wednesday. Like, they've been, they haven't really looked as consistent recently. Does it kind of concern you? Because obviously they just got Chris Paul back. But does it concern you that they, they kind of aren't seeming like a, that they kind of have been sliding a bit? Or do you uh, maybe attribute it to the fact that Chris Paul's been out for, for, for a bit of a stretch? I think it's it's a bit of Chris Paul being out. Devin Booker still being banged up a little bit. He's not a hundred percent. And then I think the chemistry, what they the the team basketball they had the years prior has has not. It's I think it's it's loosening a little bit. I know DeAndre Aiden was was figuring if he wanted to stay or not. Uh, Chris Paul has been in and out. You know Devin Booker, it's been in and out. And I think after a while, you're going to start butting heads because you fi- you're trying to figure out what is going wrong when we get to the top of the hill and we, we don't produce what we've been producing the entire, you know, entire year, the entire uh, season. So at a certain point, you're going to butt heads. And I think when DeAndre Ayton was was debating if he wanted to stay or not, if they want to give him a contract or not, I think that was another a mental standpoint. Basketball, I think they're they're all good at basketball, but I think it's the mental standpoint for each individual player that's kind of plaguing their team. And then if you're a star, not your star, but your your leader, Chris Paul, is out, then I don't think Devin yeah. Booker, we've seen that before. Yeah, for a general, and I don't think Devin Booker is that type of leader. I don't think DeAndre, DeAndre Ayton is that type of leader. 
they need that veteran guy. And that's what Chris Paul did when he first got there. He solidifies himself as a veteran leader. And once your veteran leader is there, the roles that were implemented when they start winning basketball, it's not going to go away. So now they're trying to adapt to their leader not being there. So when you're, when you always tell people to buy into the role or, you know, this is what you got to do in a basketball team. When that changes, that's hard too because you it, you had to adapt to that for a certain period of time. So, but with Chris Paul out, I feel like what well, they're back in. I think they'll get back to uh, playing basketball and then get the mentals yeah. right because they're still. I think they're on sixteen eleven. There, I think they're number three or number four in the West. Yeah, so they're not. Yeah. yeah, not far off. So I think when they they get back into the swing of things and going losing to the Pelicans back to back. And then I'm having a problem with Zion doing that 360 dunk. I thought it was amazing. Thought it was amazing. I, mean, I thought that's what the Pelicans needed. You gotta stop him. I mean, yeah. if you don't, if you have an issue with it, just stop him. Like that's that's so that, it's always funny. You know what I'm it's, talking it's about always, <laughs> it's, it's always funny to me when teams have issues like that because it's just like if you didn't if you didn't get in his way or stop them at all, they can do whatever they want until the buzzer sounds. Exactly. Until unwritten rule or so. no unwritten rule. Hey, listen, it made his teammates go crazy. At that yeah. moment, they need that. They need that they energy. Honestly needed them. Yeah, they, they, like you said, yeah. that boost. That boost. Because he, yeah. what he said was immature, but like that's my brother. Like I love Zion because I never see Zion serious. Exactly. In that we interview, always, yeah. he would. Yeah, he's always laughing. Get, like, you know, but that interview, I saw another sound. Like, okay, he got a dog in him. Okay, yeah. he's not all play play. Like he could get serious and like, and that was him serious. Like, look, I made a conscious decision. I'm going to do this beautiful dunk and I want somebody to say something. <laughs> if you say something, okay. And then the immature, not immature, but the mature thing was like, if they did it, I won't have a problem with it. Do it. Beat us. You beat us last year. Okay. We showing y'all, we, we making up for it. Coming back beat this us. year. Exactly. Yeah, so. Definitely. Look out for the Pelicans. Look out. Nope. Look out. Yeah. Number one. Definitely. Um, and, and now getting in, in, into kind of where the Mavericks currently stand. Um, and, and just thoughts on, on where they're at in this particular season. Um, Dallas is currently eighth in the West, and they've really regressed, you know, in the second quarters and fourth quarter performances. Um, their offense has looked, you know, kind of predictable and stagnant at times. But, but when it comes to this team kind of letting big leads um, turn into close games, what are your thoughts on, on kind of like why they can't figure it out currently? And also, you know, what Luka is doing? Because so many times Luka has amazing performances early on. But just like even even what we saw against Milwaukee, couldn't close it out, couldn't make the big shot at the end of the game, and they're still mm-hmm. kind of in that middling spot of like, what is this team's real identity? You know, you know, and I'm I'm glad you made that point. That's that's a solid point. I want to add to that. They're not far off. There's there's a couple of things that's wrong with this basketball team, and then I don't know if they need a second star, but the one they can't make free throws to save their lives at all when it matters Five most. Ga- Yes, five games they could have won, and they're, I think they were shooting from 50, no, lower than 50% from the line. 50% from the line is terrible as a basketball team. And the, I think this, the, they're third, no, no, no. They're near to last. The last team is Sacramento Kings, who have a terrible free throw uh, line percentage, right? That changes the game. That's five games you could have won if you made your free throws. And secondly, they built a team to shoot threes which is not good. They don't have a defensive team. They don't have a defensive structure. You've you got all these players just to be a three-point team. And then you better figure it out here shortly because 
Luca's contract is coming up in the next couple of years. You have to convince him to stay. Yeah, you don't you want a situation to, where, where he looks yeah. out and likes his other options. <laughs> no, no, exactly. Because, I mean, you, you go get Kimmel Walker. Kimmel Walker has been on the decline for the last three years. I think he's right under Russell Westbrook in, in play. But going to get him, I thought it was, it, was a, it was a good opportunity to try to, you know, help with the offense. Then I'm thinking, like, no. They are creating a team to shoot threes, which is the league's fault in my eyes. That's what the league is going to. Nobody's playing defense, and that's why you're not winning games. You're not making free throws, and you're not playing good defense. You're building a team for three-point shooters. And that's that's if you if you're not shooting like it almost it almost looks weird in the NBA if you're not shooting threes. Like you have an open layup, <laughs> and, mo- and a lot of players are just like I'll just step back and shoot a three, even though I got an open layup. Like that's right. that's what the league that's what the league is is turning into, and we're even seeing that w- w- with Dallas more and more. But getting into the Clippers and Sixers struggles, um, obviously, I mean with the Clippers, like they just had a big win against against Boston last night. Yeah. Currently mm-hmm. seventh in the West, and, and another yeah. team that that has had second quarter struggles, but like we, we talk about it every year, Tyron Lue, he knows how to, how to coach a team, even when they're depleted. And, and we are seeing John Wall, Paul George, and, and Kawhi look more comfortable. Um, and then Philly, on the other hand, they they have experienced Harden and Tyrese Maxey missing a lot of time. Um, and beat is dominated for, for many fourth quarters, but that's still only led them to, to a, a 500 record. But um, which team do you feel like if they're, if, if you know, they're kind of clicking on all cylinders and, and healthy near the postseason can maybe go on, on a further run um, at the moment? Well, first, first of all, we we know <laughs> why the Clippers is not playing on all time high. Your, your two guys is haven't played consistent games to be able to even build team chemistry. Kawhi, yeah. Paul George, but when it comes to the Seventy Sixers, Seventy Sixers, Seventy Sixers. Oh my God! See, the watches just be the, the watch, man. The government, man. I didn't even press you. it. I'm telling you, but no, man. Every year, I'm so disappointed in the 76ers. Every single year, they they make these, you know, crazy moves year in and year out. This is gonna be our year. This is gonna be our year. Yeah, <laughs> the process. That was the most beautiful marketing thing they had was seven years ago, yeah. and the process is not. And the process, the process is not even finished. But loading. to answer your question, <laughs> right? No, def, that's what they should change it to: processing to loading. Uh, but who has a better chance to make it to the playoffs? I, I think the 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 hmm, the Clippers. To be honest with you, yeah, if if Kawhi and Paul George and Paul George played the other game, he looked really good. He looked really good. When he's healthy. Yeah, when he's playing, like, my goodness. (laughs) You got to play. One of the best two-way players in the league. Yes. Kawhi, another. It looks great on paper. And we haven't said this in a long time. It looks so darn good on paper. Are they the on-paper team this year? Yes. Because none of them are playing. (laughs) None of them are playing. They had a, they had a created a new identity for the Clippers to bring Paul George and Kawhi there. Pat Bev has, has been gone. A lot of, you know, 
uh, Montreal has been going. Like, it's a, all these different new names and new faces. And then the, the faces that are the, you know, leader of your basketball team is not playing consistently. But I still think they have a better chance of making the playoffs and making a run for it better than the 76ers. Just given they have a 2-2, two, two, which is not heard of. Two really two-way not. players. That's, that's why this Clippers team is always deemed as one of the ones that can go on a deep run. Yeah. Like, when you have Ka- Kawhi and Paul George, I mean, like, you can do some damage in the postseason. Like, you can really do some. And, and also John Wall. Like, like, what are your thoughts on John Wall coming back and being kind of on, on a, a team that's deemed a contender? Because he, it seems like he's still kind of inter- integrating himself in that process. Yeah. But mm-hmm. there have been spots <clears throat> where he kind of has looked like glimpses of the old John Wall. John Wall, yeah. Yeah. And I wonder how Tyron Lue is going to utilize him moving forward. Because, you yeah. know, Kawhi is not back. So are they going to run the offense, with, you know, through John Wall and Paul? Or are they going to try to, you know, uh, you know, unleash John Wall and see if he can handle that those moments when they give him the ball or give him those one-two punches of the pick and roll or give him an iso? Because I think he still has an ability to create his own shot and to facilitate. I think he's still a true point guard. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm interested to see how he, if he's going to unleash him. I hope he does. I I want to see John Wall be the John Wall that came out of Kentucky that had the Wizards, you know, going Wizards crazy for the XMI. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes, yes. So if they if Kawhi comes back, then I don't think he. I don't. I just don't want to speculate on Kawhi anymore. I'm I'm tired of Kawhi. I'm tired of Kawhi at this point. Kawhi, <laughs> Kawhi played last night. He played last night against Boston. How long he's gonna play Willington? <laughs> but I don't, I don't get my hopes up, bro. <laughs> that's I don't the, get that's my the, hopes that's up. That's the thing. You can't can't get your hopes up, obviously. Because that's what I'm I saying. think the, the part is how they look up to All-Star Break is gonna be very interesting. And then right after, like, that's the telltale sign. Like, because after All-Star Break, you can't be missing, you can't miss multiple games. That's no. like home stretch. That's home stretch. And that's that's my problem. I, I saw him play, I was like, I wasn't happy. I was more happy Paul George. George was playing than yeah, Kawhi because this time management thing he's been doing for the past three years and he's not really played or gave Clippers anything back in their investment. Because you got to be so honest, Paul George got them in the Western Conference Finals against Phoenix mm-hmm. and they pushed them to six games. Kawhi wasn't there. So like that, that is, that is a point you, you, you have to acknowledge. No, for sure. If he, if he plays consistently... And John Wall, I hope they unleash John Wall and let really Kawhi and Paul see John Wall have a great year. Yeah. be the defensive guys. Obviously, they can still score, but I want I want to see John Wall go crazy. Me too. Go crazy. But I'm, it's interesting how Tyron Lue is. Everybody's playing, no time management. We're trying to get to the Western Conference Finals again, into the NBA Finals. I'm interested to see how he, he does his lineup and how he utilizes John Wall with those two guys. Western Conference Finals are busts. That's what I'm gonna say for Clippers. Yeah, because if they don't get to Western Conference Finals, it's it's a failed season. They they got to this year. They they they, they definitely have to. I de- yeah, um, and, I agree. And, and now getting getting into our first album review, which, which is SOS, and kind of thoughts on the on the variety of this album, plus just how she approached the themes. Um, in this new highly anticipated project, we we see so much versatility throughout. Um, her strength as, as a vocalist and writer are, are clearly evident. Plus, she's a ma- master of craft of her craft on instant bangers like Lone Conceited, and also her hit um Shirt. Um, all, to me, all of these songs, you know, felt very, a lot of them felt very loose and confident. And, and, and to me, it's some of the most like assured um, music she's, she's made in a long time. But, but what were your initial thoughts on this album and, and some of the standout tracks? Uh, this is like, this is a project to me where 
she doesn't just stay in one pocket. She she switches it up to to different with like I, which I love. Yeah. I mean, like this yeah. album to me just yeah. it's, it's it's beautiful. It's mature. It's well rounded. It just has all of the elements. You can tell five years later, this is like yeah. the mature SZA and the one who's really figured out something. And I'm glad you mentioned that. Like she. The versatility, she switched it up a couple times and she gave us a little rock. She gave us a little more, a more pop singy type vibes. And I was like, okay, this is a nice switch up. Now her verse is not, her voice is not just made for a lot of verb and like slow tracks. She can do those. She has that versatility in her arsenal to be able to do tracks like that and bring in a different fan base. I thought this was a solid project. I thought. I, I kind of like the second half more than I like the first half. Second and I understand, half, she really got into it. Yeah, she really second got into half, it, she second really half. dove into it. And yeah. I think she put most of the songs at the tail end because obviously you already, you already, you know, um, listened to them. Shirt, uh, I Hate You, Good Days. Good Even days. the ODB one was was <laughs> was a breath of fresh air, man. That was ODB dope. just funny. <clears throat> oh, dirty. That's funny, man. Um, but I know I, I think I enjoyed the second half more than I liked the first half. I do like um the melody she had with Hughes with Don Tolliver. I thought that was a good uh switch up as well. But Kill like Kill Bill was my least favorite. You didn't like Kill Bill. <laughs> oh, Kill Bill was my I least favorite. Yeah, that was my least favorite. I was like oh. I actually skipped it. I listened to half of it and I was like, oh, it's not gonna change. Skip. <laughs> But I thought everything else was very solid. I like the okay. switch up with the two songs. I can't remember the two songs. It's like, I think it's either Ghost and Machine. No, it's Smoking. Yeah. No, 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 Smoking Max. But it was when she did the... Is it Gone Girl? Yeah, it was Gone Girl. It was Notice Me, Gone Girl, and then Ghost and Machine. The, that that switch. She really yeah. switched it up. And then she went back into, obviously, the R&B, what she's used to. But I love the switch up. They gave us some versatility to keep the listener engaged. But no, I thought it was very solid. But it was a very solid project. Very solid yeah. project. Absolutely. Well, worth I, the I wait. mean, like, it, yeah, it, yeah, it, it, it was really worth the wait. Like, like this was a this was a longer project. Like, did it surprise you? Like, with it, because like obviously, like with with um control, I think it was like sixteen or seventeen songs. It mm-hmm. was a little more concise. Like, did did you feel as though like? Because she even said like it, she did a lot of interviews for this for this um album, and she was talking about like how she, there was so much music she wanted to put out, but. There was just like that that push of like hey, okay that 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 pull of like okay do I really want to give this to them like should I yeah. keep this and it seemed like this was the project where she was like no they're gonna get everything that I have and right. I'm really just just gonna let them see what everything I've been tinkering with. She gets a pass for twenty three songs five years since Control. Yeah. I think it's if she would have put thirty songs on I would have listened to all of them. I think. I would have. I didn't have any problem. Yeah, I didn't have any problem. I had no problem with this because we. This has been an anticipated album. I didn't think we were going to get it this year. I thought it was going to be it, but I, I'm glad Somebody we did. Somebody said December. Yeah. Somebody said December. You did. Well, it's in. Yeah. Well, it's in. You did say this. You did say. What if she dropped it at the end of the year? And I'm like, nah. Yeah, yeah, you're, they're like, yeah. You and Marie's like, no. I don't think so. No, I don't think she'll do that because she won't have. But to be able to go into the next year and people still listening to your album and you still have. The beginning of the year to continue to take over the game, I, you know, I thought and it was she's going on good marketing. Exactly, so I think it was it was good marketing and a good plan. You know, top dog. This is, is who it reminds to... me of. Who's this that? is who it reminds me of. Lauren Hill. What Lauren Hill did. This is there's rumors that Lauren. There's this is what I want to say. There's rumors that SZA said that this is going to be her last album. Lauren, if you think about the mis the miseducation of Lauren Hill, that was like 
14, 15 songs. Control, 16. Lauryn Hill's second album, MTV Unplugged, was 24 songs, then she was done. SZA just dropped a 23-song album. So it, that might be also the reasoning. That also, that also might be the logic. Just, just pointing that out. And her two albums <laughs> still run to this day. Yeah, yeah exactly. Two, two albums you can still run through. I don't. I, I has think she, she changed I, that much though? Cause she was very, she was very adamant about the label not allowing her to drop music. Now you drop just one, just two albums, and now you're done. Hmm. And I, I don't and I know, hope, man. I, I hope it, I hope it's not true. But but the rumors are, oh. of her saying like this, this will be my last album. It just made me think. I don't want her to, but I'm saying if she did, I feel like she's doing the the Lauren Hill route. That's interesting. I never thought about it like that. That oh, wow, okay. And then both her albums still run to this day. Still, she's still you can, you can well go through known. any point you want to. Any point you want to. Huh? I hope she Uber does. It, but if she does, yeah, we're, we're, I don't. We're, we're rooting. Ooh. We're rooting against this. This take of my rooting. This is the one take we're rooting against. <laughs> Wait. So, do you think both of these albums? can withstand well we are no one can well we, one we definitely has. know one can. Right. <laughs> one has <laughs> you think her career is able to do what lauren hill did because lauren hill has yeah. she was been with groups she's like her, her that's career the was thing. so little she also had the group albums that's the one thing yes. that even elevated because that's the one scissor doesn't have the other group albums i think that's what lauren hill's safe mm-hmm. like her, her scapegoat was the fact that i'm with the fugees like i got these other projects that that is gonna like even elevate me more, even if people aren't just satisfied with my two albums. That that's the one reason why I'd say the Lauren Hill was a, even able to get away with it more because she also had the group project. So that's if you're going through that route, then, then I can't see why it might not work for Sissy. Yeah, I don't think her career is set up like that right now to yeah. just drop two albums. To just, just drop two and be done. done. Yeah, because this yeah. Control is still her best album. Yeah, for sure. To me and. This album was and we're, solid. We gotta give this album more time. We gotta give this album more time too. Yes, we do. I gotta listen to it. I listen to it once for the second, the first half. Again, I have to listen to the second half. I gotta give it a some couple listens. Twenty three songs, so it's gonna be a while. But you like, you're right. We have to give it time. But oh, don't kill me, Wellington. I think Summer Walker's last album was better than this. Oh. <laughs> I gotta go back and listen to that one too. I got because I like that one a lot. This one, I, I, I really like this one. I really like. I really like. It's uh, really SOS. close. Really like it. yeah. yeah, SOS is nice. I love the switch up because it was like that's, that's what I'm oh, saying. Okay. You just go through different pockets. Like the nobody gets me. Like she would have never put out a song like that a few years ago. No, like, no, yeah. absolutely like, not. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh, I'm gonna have to. Yeah, yeah. It's close. But this, it's really hey, close. Listeners, we're happy we have music to analyze from SZA. We, exactly. We, we, this no. is a good dilemma. This is a good dilemma. <laughs> Very <happy>. good dilemma. <laughs> Very good dilemma. Yeah, absolutely. Well, for for our, for our next review, it, it's gonna be Metro Boomin's Heroes and Villains, and and in this new album, you know, Metro really put artists where they need to be at the moment that that they, mm. that they need to be there. Um, there there's you know pummeling 808s and, and and muted horns throughout, and a menacing feel on superhero from Future. Um, this was also a very cohesive album, and there's a just position that keeps the sonics from, from getting stale. Um, how did you feel about the production of this album, and kind of to you, which artists had the best performance? If Metro Boomin on touch on key, uh, yeah, this was fire, bro. It was dope. This was fire. Um, I love superhero, man. Yeah. Too many nights, you know. I'm becoming a Don Tolliver fan. 
He's up there. Um, He's yeah. Ooh, yeah, yeah. The I'm not, a, I'm not a 21 Savage voice gets on my nerves. Oh, uh, man. You didn't like any of 21? 21 fits perfect with Metro. <laughs> he does. No, no, he does. It's just like, it's ABC. It's ABC rapping. Like he just it's so funny. I saw I recently saw I recently saw an interview with Mathoff and Styles P and he was saying like he was talking about how he had an issue with 21 Savage saying Nas is irrelevant and he was saying like 21, you're not you're not at that level. He said, I like you a lot, but you're just not at that like that A-list, like Cole Kendrick Drake level. Like if you're no. not and, and I understood what 21 was saying, but skill. Like, cause he he was saying more so like, okay, the kids aren't listening to Nas as much, which I mean that is true. But still, yeah, Nas yeah, had that true. timeless feel. He had that timeless feel of his music. And if you're not in that A list category, if you're not like one of the three goats of this generation, mm-hmm. you can't can't make a comment. No, absolutely, that was a perfect perfect comment from him, bro. You're not even top twenty five, <laughs> top thirty, bro. There's so many other lyrical and real MCs, yeah. bro. You're not even no Jack Harlow oh, is in front of oh, you. you in the- <laughs> I do not like That's Jack kinda, Harlow. Yeah, I'm I'm not a Jack fan, but but yeah, no, but <laughs> 21, you have you was in a pocket. You were mm, you came in on the right time. 21 Savage came in the right time because future future era brought so many trap rappers out mm-hmm. and it made it popular. Put the spotlight, put the spotlight on. Yeah. Future really brought a lot of... We we always say Drake put a lot of people on, but Future's career put a lot of people on without doing features, but just his He's style of music. one of the most influential music. artists of this decade. Future's one of the most influential artists of this decade. Stamp that, prove, yeah. boom. Yes. Yeah. I, and I'm not a big trap rapper, but I love Future. Future's music oh, yeah. is dope, bro. <laughs> like, yeah. he finds different ways. To, like, his voice is Stay so relevant. <laughs> like, bro, his voice is thinking, raspy, like, Why is this working? Like, yes. <laughs> like, bro, this is the dumbest thing, but I like it. But no, man. Like, if you're not in the top three of your generation, bro, you don't say anything about the, the generation that came before it because Nas is definitely top three in his generation. Oh, yeah. Sure. Bro, yeah. Nas is so nice, man. In here, real MC. Boy, bow, not bow oh, down, yeah. but sit down. Sit down. down. Yeah. yeah, man. Yeah. 21 Savage Boo. <laughs> were, there, were there any other... Because ar- Travis man. Scott was on this album a lot. How 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 did, how did you feel about? I know you're not the the biggest Travis Scott. I think he did think he, think he has some moments on here. Young Thug did, like there there were there were a couple other artists on here that, that I thought had some shining moments. Yeah, Take Off Track was fine. Um, yes. I like uh Travis Scott on Raindrops because I thought that was more his his lane. Uh, the song, and then mm, I didn't really like Creeping. I don't like Niagara Falls. Really. I like the product. The production was crazy. But he had 21 Savage on here too much. Lock on me, I, I, I lock on me, I did like Future and Travis Scott, I think it was, is a good uh, combination. That's a music. good mix. Yeah, but my, my favorite was definitely uh, Superhero, Too Many Nights. Uh, I Can't Save You, man. I, Don Tolliver just... Don yeah. Tolliver just killed this album, man. Yeah, bro. You put me on Don Tolliver, and then one of my uh the homies put me on. He was like, bro, just listen to this this album right here, or listen to this track. And the first song he put me on, he was like, you can't say I'm not enough. I was like, oh, yeah. is it nice? Yep. Travis nice. Scott song, yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Definitely. 
solid project. Um, and, and now getting into Brockhampton's The, the Family Review, um, in their last album, uh, this band do, does its best to tie up deep loose ends while taking taking both new and old fans on a nostalgic journey. It's also a brutally honest high point to cap an amazing body of work. Uh, this project mm-hmm. in totality has, has a balance of energy field moments and also more melancholic ones. Um, but, but how did you kind of feel about this album and, and the finality of it? This was different. Yeah. It was definitely different for me. It was a different pace for me. I thought it was dope. I, again, I didn't know who this guy was. Uh, well, that's it again, me finding people that I don't, <laughs> I've never heard of. I'm like, who is Brockhampton, bro? That's a, isn't that a, uh, uh, hotel? <laughs> the, um... the Brockhampton. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Brockhampton. <laughs> yeah, right. No, exactly. He probably got a podcast and everything. Uh, but I thought it was. I thought it was. I thought it was solid. I thought it was a different, uh, different style that I'm more listening to in my in my um the music that I rotate each day. But I mm-hmm. thought it was solid. I I listened to it twice. And the this fact is that you we got to go back to. That's one you got to go back to. Honestly. I think it was. I think you. It's certain songs you can put on a playlist. Let run, for, oh, yeah, sure. for sure. Um, new shoes was one I really liked. New shoes, man on the moon, was really do were really dope to me. FMG, I like how you started it off. Yeah. FMG good for me. Um, it was another one. Was it duct tape? Was it duct tape? I can't remember. It was I duct remember, tape? I remember duct tape being a pretty good one. I think duct tape. I think it was. I think duct tape. But the top three for me was FMG, New Shoes, and Man on the Moon. I thought it was dope. Yeah, this was a solid. I mean, to me, this was a solid project. It wasn't one like, like it wasn't. There, there were some skips on here, but I think the majority of the project you could add onto a playlist. You, you could, yeah. go back to. And I just like the mix. Like I like, I, I, I like, like the mix of this project because there were up tempo yeah. moments, and then just like really low ones. Like they just they found that balance of just not being predictable. And that, that, that was probably like my, my favorite element of this project. Like they, this, this group was not um, predictable at all. Um, and, and now getting into our last review with Coco O's, uh, it's a process um, in her debut album for last year. The 13 track project was just uh, a stunningly uh, intimate showcase of the singer's voice across a range of uh, composition, pulling from so many different eras of R&B and soul. Um, what were your thoughts on this debut and kind of how she can build on this for the duration of her career? Cause this is a project I, I remember listening to kind of the early part of this year, but hadn't gone back to it. And when I went back to it, I feel as though it's just, it's very seamless. It's, it's definitely, you have to be in a certain mood for it. Cause it's very just like loose and, and kind of, and kind of has, has a certain like low flow flow to it. But uh, what were some of your initial takeaways on it? I thought this was going to be a Spanish album. <laughs> Especially with love. One way and Okay. She about to say, Mi corazón. <laughs> <laughs> but nah yeah you're definitely right she she reminds well not reminds me she's she the her type of style um it's like in the the range of alina alina Bar- don't let me lie don't let me lie let me look it up yeah alina barres mm. that type of like that you gotta be in the mood like it's a it's I want to call it a vibe. It's just a a mood. It's a mood, yeah. Yeah, that's it's the right mood. Yeah. And it's not bad. Don't get me wrong. I don't think it's bad at all. But I think like when I was when I first listened to it, I was like, "Huh. This is this is different. This is different. Who does she remind me of?" And then cuz I have to be in the mood to listen to Aaliyah Baraz. A Baraz or Baraz. Um cuz her music is like 
doing? Like that mood. You got to be in a certain mood to listen to it. Yeah. But I thought this was, it was, it was, it was decent. Decent. Yeah. I didn't listen to it twice. I just listened to it once, but nothing really stood out to me. But I thought it was um she had her own sound. I don't yeah. know. I didn't I she didn't really like kind of Yeah, she used oh, to be she a part did. of her group. Oh, backstory yeah. off. Yeah, exactly. So she she used to be a part of her group. And, and this is another thing that I want to point out because she she said about this album, quote, I have been looking forward to this day for almost seven years now. To be honest, I have struggled to make this album. I needed to take some time to figure out what I'm about as an artist and how to take ownership of my own process, end quote. Like, it also seemed, it felt to me that she's still trying to figure out what she, like, what her identity is as an artist. Yes. And, like, mm-hmm. what her direction is. So I feel like that quote made me think, okay, the album is called It's a Process. Like, this, it literally stated where I think her mindset is. Like, she's yeah. not really fully comfortable what she what she's in. Like, like did you kind of feel that, like, she's still trying to, like, get figure out what her niche is particularly and kind of, like, go into that more? Now that you give me the background and now like rethinking and trying to figure, you know, remember most of the songs, it does seems like she's trying to find her identity in her own music. Cause if you're in a group for most of the time, you're, you're playing a role in that group. Yeah. Maybe you, you don't have the standout vocals as the other counterparts. Now you got to figure out, okay, right, how can thing. I, yeah, your own thing, your own style, your own uh construct of a song. I think she's a, a decent songwriter, to be honest with you, but I do think her like she's gonna have to find a different niche of her of her style of music to get a fan base outside of what she yeah. was in a group. I don't know if that group was successful or not, but yeah, she's probably gonna be more successful overseas because she for has sure. that. Oh yeah, 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 that, yeah. yeah. overseas. That's for her sure. target. Not yeah. here. Here definitely. <laughs> not here <laughs> you said that you said that so suddenly <laughs> oh, so we're gonna take a quick break and be right back with our review if there will be welcome back to the show and now we're getting into our review of there will be blood and to start the overview there will be blood is a tw- 2007 period drama drama film written and directed by paul thomas anderson loosely based on the 1927 novel Oil by Upton Sinclair. Um, it stars Daniel Day-Lewis as Daniel Plainview, a silver miner um, turned oilman on a ruthless quest for wealth during uh, Southern California's oil boom of the late 19th and um, early 20th centuries. Paul Dano, Kevin J. O'Connor, Syria Hines, and uh, Dylan Frazier co-star as well. Um, it had a budget of $25 million and brought in $76.2 million into the box office. It had a 91% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and the, the film just... It had so brought in so many awards, nominated for eight Oscars, and Daniel Day Lewis won the Academy Award for Best Actor in a Leading Role. Um, but to start it off, like, what were your initial thoughts on a film that you know has been widely touted as a masterpiece, and it, it boasts just incredible performances from from Daniel Day Lewis and, and Paul Dano? You know, I, I'm a huge fan of Daniel Day Lewis, man, especially his depiction of these just <laughs> eradicated roles and especially Gangs in New York. I think that's one of my favorite films. He's been oh, yeah. him and Leonardo DiCaprio. I think that was the us to watch it to this day, but I thought it was an interesting movie uh, in an interesting time, like where it took place. I think it was between 1880 something and 19, whatever. I thought it was a mm-hmm. in a good space to where, and then I, and I also thought it was shot pretty well and it, eight Academy Awards, I think it, it was definitely uh, well-deserved. But I thought it was an interesting uh, character development for Daniel Day-Lewis, what Daniel Planview, I thought his character was very interesting, how they kind of depict him and how they grew him yeah. more and more. 
and it kind of unraveled who he truly was, especially at the tail end. But I thought it was a, a great film. Thought it definitely, uh, yeah, man, I thought it, was, it definitely was well deserved with eight uh, Oscar noms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, when you look at the the type of before, like Daniel Day Lewis is considered one of the best actors in the world, and just mm-hmm. in every category. Like, what what do you think makes him such a riveting uh, uh, actor, and how he's able to really just captivate an audience? And just kind of whenever he's on screen, he really demands everybody's yeah. attention and never really lets you slip at all. I think is the one is under his presence for sure, how he brings the character to life, and I think it's the undertone of his real voice within the character's voice. So he he does a great job of intertwining intertwining himself in the character very well and in jail very well. You could tell that's who he is in real life, how he yes. his demeanor, how he speaks, how he demands the room without demanding the room. And I think he brings that to life in each character that he that he, you know, he depicts and he plays. But this character alone, it kind of reminded me a little bit of Gangs of New York, how he was more so his movements, his body language did most of the talking and his the, the different pitches he goes without without just like with ease. Like he'll he'll yeah. be in a great and then he'll start up and you know he has these great <laughs> speeches within each movie that he has. But this one, yeah, I think definitely solidified. Obviously he won uh the nom, but I think it really solidified his the character development within himself and gelling him himself individually in the character together well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and now getting to our first topic from, from one of four stars, what would you give it? Uh, what would be your particular rating for this film and, and kind of like, you know, some of your reasons for it? I'll give it a three. Well, okay. three. Yeah, I'll give it a three. I did get lost a little bit. Well, not in lost. I'll say I got. I don't know. I lost interest in okay. a little bit, yeah. especially when it jumped so, from different. Film. Yes, it's definitely a long film and it's. Yeah, I think I got uninterested, and then it started. It got my interest, especially the different scenes that he was in, and how yeah. they jumped from different uh, stages or different years. But I, I did think it, it waned a little bit because of the the time and era or whatever. But I give it a three star. I thought it was shot well. I thought uh, Daniel Day Lewis alone, his acting alone, really, really <laughs> brought the movie to life. But yeah, three stars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would go th- three and a half. I mean, this film was brilliant in terms of writing and presentation, and it, it really reached deep into the absence of American am- ambition. Like, it it, it almost kind of like, it, it was in the same category as a film um, that we've reviewed before, No Country for Old Men, which I like yes. slightly better. <laughs> yes. uh, you know, it, I didn't really, I never lost interest in that in, the, in that movie. And with, no. with, 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 with this one, with There Will Be Blood, I feel as though, there, like you said, there, there were a little bit of uh, lags at, at certain points. Like, but looking at that that year, 2007, No Country for Old Men and There Will Be Blood, how those movies are compared, like, even till now, like, what do you kind of think, like, makes those movies different? Because to me, like, Javier Bardem, the, the performance, the villainous performance he had mm-hmm. was, like, one of the best we've had in the last 20 years. And Tommy Lee Jones, he just had that well-seasoned presence mm-hmm. that you, you just never get, get tired of. But, like, what were kind of, like, the main differences to you about, like, those two films? I think the individual acting, I think... We've seen similarities of script writing or just screenplays of these two films. I, well, There Will Be Blood, I think, is in, a, is in a, a time that really isn't highlighted as much as any other film. But I love the timeline of how, where they were starting at and where they kind of ended. But I think both films have similarities with screenplay with other films. But I think it was the individual acting. Daniel Day-Lewis, he, and, and then No Country of Man, it was just like he really... 
was a psycho. Like it, yeah. it was a the perfect depiction of a serial killer or just somebody who's not always there. And I think the individual acting really brung the film out because you you fall in love with it. I see the scenes on TikTok, on Instagram, Facebook, and you just be like viral. Like, so you didn't inherit it. <sighs> Pick a coin. And yeah. he was like, it's just not a, that's not just not a regular, like it's those, I remember those scenes because it's like, yeah, I don't know. But I think it was the individual acting that kind of the similarities of why those two films were compared to each other and why they were nominated for so much. Yeah, definitely. Um, And, and now getting in, in, into favorite character, uh, for, for me, I would have Daniel Plainview because, you know, from afar, he appears to be an out and, and, and out villain, but this character brings to the table just an ability to suggest there's yeah. much more to his, to his character than, than what we see. Like, I really like when we get performances where they seem one way, but the more and more the movie goes along, you're like, okay, they have, there's deep rooted issues. There's reasons why they operate the way they operate. And for me, like he really uh, uh, pulled that together throughout this film. But to you, like who overall was kind of your favorite character in this one? Yeah. Daniel Plenvy, it's hard to to go away from this character because in the beginning it's, it's sold us of, you know, taking an orphan in, and yeah. being this depicting this family guy, but having you know underlining uh, strategic uh, planning behind it to to bring your to bring your business to light, right? And then once that kid is not of use anymore, you move him to the side. And even you know, even if we just event, you know gradually show how sadistic yeah. he is and how how like how much he wants. It's it, his ego, his desires, not just to, to to humiliate somebody, but to see them die, not just humiliating and see them die, but disown their own uh, religion. So it's just like you unravel so much in his character. And yeah. it, it, it's crazy. He's definitely sadistic, but he's smart. He's strategic. Mm-hmm. It was chestnut checkers and he got what he wanted the, from the beginning to the end. But I love how gradually we unravel that character. Mm-hmm. in this long film oh. yeah <laughs> was there any other actor you think could have played this role besides daniel day lewis like I, like like when i think of it i feel as though he just was born to play this role no yeah you, you can't say al pacino can't say dicaprio you, you can't really say any other actor but daniel day lewis because like i said he brings that different element from individual himself into the character because that's really how he is. And it's, it, it makes me think like these guys are playing these characters. It's, it's, they play it so well because it's in them already exactly. and it's just submerged and it brings it to light even more easily. But yeah, I don't think anybody else can play this role to bring it out like that. Like it's similar to the gangs in New York. I could not see anybody else playing um, uh, Bill. Like I, I, I can't mm-hmm. see anybody, but Daniel day Lewis playing that role. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And now getting to most memorable scenes I had Daniel and, and HW hunt and stubble. Uh, on sample on surface oil also opening the fall the first payment um the next one i will bless the well uh daniel buying sunday ranch eli uh eli sunday sermon um also the drilling rig trouble fire scene which was a major a, a really pivotal one uh mm-hmm. the business deal the, ba- the baptism scene and then finally i'm finished where daniel um gets his revenge against eli sunday um but but to you i mean like there's so many you can you can pick from because like this movie is really built on the scenes like like the mm-hmm. the, the standout scenes but to you kind of like which ones were, were kind of uh the main ones you remember the most the three that the the i forgot the character's name but the 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 son that would have got the kid that he adopted him setting the on flower but he, house on fire but he was actually mm-hmm. trying to uh kill i forgot it was either one of the sundays i think it was eli 
who's trying yeah, to kill Eli. her because yeah, because he, he put Eli in front of him, and then obviously the scene where uh kind of uh embarrassed uh Daniel at the church with his sermon, and then obviously the last scene, just the different stages of his greed, his desires to see somebody not only disown his his religion, not only see him wither and 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 cry and you know, but he wanted to see him die, killed them. So yeah, um that that was definitely the the biggest scene. I think it summed up his character in one in one swoop of a scene, man, which yeah. was was crazy. I didn't think he was gonna kill him. I was like, why is he chasing him? <laughs> why is he chasing him with bowling pins and bowling pins, making yeah. this big speech? And I'm like, okay, is that not enough? Okay. <laughs> he disowned his, his religion. Is that not enough? Okay, okay. Now you gotta chase him and throw him. And then yeah. when he hit him with the bowling pin, I was like, he's not gonna kill him. He's not boom. Boom, 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 and I was like, "Oh wow, okay, psychotic." What a way to end a movie, too. <laughs> right. I don't think there's any other way you can. That's end that a movie. wild one. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a wild one. Definitely. Uh, um, and now getting into most memorable quotes, I had a uh, new roads, agriculture, employment, education. These are just a few of the things that we can offer you. Um, also, I have a comp- competition in me. I want no one else to succeed. Um, also, I, I I don't even know who you are because you have none of me and you. Um, I like you oh, to tell one. me that you are and have been a false prophet and that God is a superstition. Um, and then uh, I want to earn enough money that I can get away from everyone. And then finally, uh, I'm finished. Um, and, and like the quote where he says, I want to earn enough money that I can get away from everyone. Like mm-hmm. there also was this deep rooted, I think this feeling about him that he was just like, there's nobody that I trust. I, I, I don't, there's no connections that I want to have. I just want to accomplish what I want to accomplish. And mm-hmm. then just live my life the way I want to. Like that always felt seemed like his driving purpose throughout the movie. Yeah. But uh, uh, to you, like, what were some of your overall favorite quotes? Every last one of you, you mentioned, I always get the good one. And then the last line, I'm finished, which yeah. was one of the most, not most iconic, but I think one of the most it's iconic. Up there. Yeah, it's up there. I'm finished. Like I said, whatever, everything I had in my head and my plans or what I wanted to do in this time frame or whatever, I completed it. All right, I'm finished. I'm satisfied. That was that was what that meant for me. Like as a, as his character, as you unravel him, and you're like, okay, that line was had to be that line. I'm finished because he still wanted more. He had all the oil. He had the property. He he got all the resources, and now he has this kid on the run, like you know, begging for help. I got I killed them. Okay, I feel good. I got my revenge. I'm finished. What, yeah, had to be the best best uh, quote of the movie. Yeah, absolutely. And, and another like standout performance that's been mentioned a lot is Paul D- Dano's as Eli Sunday. Um, obviously, like this, this was more like um, a flamboyant performance. He had to, he, he was the type of character that was always opposing Daniel. Like they never saw eye to eye. They were always clashing. Mm-hmm. Like, what were your thoughts on his performance and also like some of the other movies he's been in? Like he recently was in the new Batman, but but he he does have a knack yeah. for being in kind of flamboyant performances and ones that really get people's attention yeah i think he's a good actor uh to be able to play the you know two twins and having the, you know two sides of the coins and him playing in the new batman also playing with terrence howard and uh hugh jackman in the movie that kidnapped the girls or whatever i forgot it's on netflix i forgot the name of it but that i thought he he played a good role in that but he brings out this mysterious i mean he's already has a, a distinguished That's the right word. face yeah. But this mysterious vibe to him, and it's, he doesn't really have to say much, but 
but he can tap into different voices to bring out the the mild manner, the soft spoken, the crazy. Like he has that range of emotions. But I think he's a good actor. I think he's played in some good films, and I think he, you know, I think he he was there in the moment with Daniel Day Lewis on set. Like I think he he lived up to expectations in that role because Daniel Day Lewis, you know, acted his butt off, and I think you know Paul Dano did the same thing. But you know, it's, it's it's a total difference. It's Daniel Day Lewis, like yeah, it's a different the, class. Yeah, it's a different <laughs> class. But I, I think he's a good actor, though. I think Paul Dano is a good actor mm-hmm, for sure. Um, and now getting into what did you like the most about the storyline? To me, just how it pitted you know a seasoned capitalist against a self um a self righteous person and really put a spotlight on, on the dark side of capitalism. I thought that was like we said, this was yeah. in a different time period that doesn't mm-hmm. get highlighted a lot. There were different just motives. Um, for, from people in that era, and we, we really were able to see that put on the spotlight. Um, but, but to you, like, what particular element of, of this storyline did you kind of like the most? I, I love the character, just one, well, I like the character development. I think the storyline was good. I thought it was shot uh, relatively well, but I think the character development, how we unravel this character throughout the film, and just to be able to to get a, a end note of the character. It's no, like, Un, like unanswered questions about this character when he said i am finished i think that really capped in our understanding of what this character was and what he meant and what his role was in the movie i thought it was beautiful it's not a lot of films who can you know cap a character there's nothing else you can do with this character there's nothing else you can say with this character you did a phenomenal job of capping and character development for this specific character yeah. which is Daniel. But I thought, I thought it was beautiful. I thought his, yeah. The writing, like you said earlier, the writing was, was spot on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think was holding, like, obviously, like, you felt it was a three-star film. Like, what do you think was holding it back from, to, in your opinion, from being a four-star film? It lagged. You know, like yeah. you said earlier, it lagged. It, it had m- moments where I was uninterested. It was just like, it was a lot of fluff. Mm-hmm. And to be able to string into the cut next. It out. Yeah. yeah. It, it was cut a the, lot of cut the fat, as we say. Yeah. yeah, cut the fat. It was the monologue. I mean, I like the monologue in certain scenes, but some of the stuff could have been left out that we really didn't need to to enhance the story at all. But yeah, it was most parts of lag, and you just was uninterested until it got to some good parts. So mm, yeah, that's definitely. why. Yeah. Mm. Um, and getting to our last topic, ten years from now, uh, do we still think it'll be watchable and intriguing? It is definitely a, a, a passes the test of time in so many categories. Um, and, you know, to me, like with this being a, a, a concentrated character study of just a fascinating person and just being an a utterly, you know, a, a brilliant viewing experience, it's it's definitely a spectacle. Um, not perfect, as we mentioned, but but it definitely was a film that you can look at as that was pretty well shot um, with Daniel Day-Lewis. Like, I can't say enough about this guy is just one of the defining yeah. actors of our generation. Like you put him in that that Mount Rushmore of guys who's just mm-hmm. done it movie after movie and, and just keeps proving himself. Um, but to you, what do you think will will make this watchable and intriguing? L- let's just say for those who are big fans of No Country for Old Men and have never seen this movie, what would make this intriguing for them? I think Daniel Day-Lewis, to be honest with you. He's the, he's the star of the film. And I think, because w- when you go into this type of genre, it's it's hard to get into yeah. Uh, at first, so you're gonna have to have a well-known face, which they got the perfect guy to play the role. But I think it's gonna be Daniel Day Lewis who draws people in to watch this film, and probably No Country for Old Men. I, but you're gonna have to know somebody to watch this type of yeah. film 
if you're not like you know like these slow drawn out but it has you know decent monologue it, and good it scenes, doesn't have and, that pass of just being like oh just turn yeah, it on it's oh, not one of those me, just just turn there it will on. Be blood. I only let me want, just turn that on <laughs> exactly i only watched it one time and i was like what's there for what is this and then i, I watched it, i was like okay it's cool like i mean i wouldn't watch it again to be right. honest yeah. with you but no country for old men i would watch it because i mean it had a lot of action kept you engaged i mean the the acting was phenomenal. Like it was really, really good. Like it was, it was more lasting. It was only one scene for me. The ending was was like I remember the most from There Will Be Blood. But it's multiple scenes in No Country for Old Men that I remember off the top of my head, and I haven't watched it in a couple, you know, couple minutes. So I'll get like lost in like a YouTube, uh, just. Uh, a raid of just going after clip after clip. I'm like, man, I just need to watch the whole movie again. Right, <laughs> just yeah, watching... yeah. <laughs> well worth it. It is. It definitely is. And, and before we close it out, like the the Academy, like it has this interesting way of like it praises movies that sometimes we don't think are perfect, but they like the movie critics just say, oh, this this is a, a perfect film. Like, do you feel as though sometimes their criteria they just have like a different criteria that's maybe just completely different from the regular viewer and what we kind of prefer for the majority of the time. I think so, but I think the the viewership and the the, the audience matters most in the critics. Yes, and some of the films that I feel like the critics love, I mean, like it's trash. Like it's not <laughs> that good. It wasn't engaged, and the storyline was ABC one two three. Mm. Like it wasn't like you know, but but I do think they have a different criteria, or they try to have a different criteria yeah. to be able to say, oh, this film is this, this film is that. I, but in, in all actuality, it, what matters the most is the audience going to see it. Because we don't care about, I don't care about the view, what the critics say about a film. If I like it, I like it. Like yeah. uh, Master of the Skies has a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. I love that movie. And it's, a, it's yeah. an Adam Sandler uh, under, uh, it was Happy Madison film, mm-hmm. right? And I think it's hilarious. It has a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't care. I still watch it to this day. But yeah, it's it's all about what the viewer cares about at the end of the day. Like that that that's 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 absolutely what what, what matters most. Who paying um, for it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, these critics they get the exactly. backstage passes. They don't even, they don't have to go to the theaters. They can just watch it in their home. Right. <laughs> yeah, they sound can system. Sit <laughs> exactly. In the comfort of their home. Man, get out of here. Exactly. Come to the trenches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> get out the mud. <laughs> Well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm your host, Wanda Burns. Love my counterpart, Savon Morris. This has been Full Scope. See you later.